Thank you, ladies. And we ought to be consumed by the Lord. He ought to consume our lives. He, you know, many times we sort of just get consumed with other things of life. We busy ourselves with many things, but we ought to have a mindset that the Lord ought to be number one. He ought to be central to all that we do. And let's turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. It's good to see you this morning, church, and appreciate your faithfulness and um, good to have you if you're a guest of our church as well. Thanks for coming along and being part of our service today. And uh, we turn there, Revelation chapter 3, and if you have your Bible handy, we'll, um, we'll turn to different passages of Scripture today. Um, I wonder if you've ever, you've ever had a, um, an unexpected guest. I wonder if you've ever just, you know, you're sitting in the comfort of your home and suddenly you got a knock on your door and, you know, you weren't prepared for it. You sort of just scrambled to put the things away that you, you probably should have done overnight or should have probably done that morning. But I think it's uh, even more when you, you do have expected guests and they don't turn up. And I remember when uh, Azariah and I got married, we, uh, we didn't really want to have a reception, but my parents and her parents, they, they decided, well, they, they, you ought to. And so the, the deal for me was pretty easy. If you want us to have one, you pay for it, all right? So I asked them, and they were gracious enough to pay for the whole thing, so praise the Lord for that. But um, we had a, a list, and we had a limited, uh, n- limited number that we could invite to that particular venue. And we remember just welcoming our guests as they came through, and there were a few there that we didn't invite. They just started coming. And so we were, you know, we had to do the, the nod and smile, but inside we were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> but then we also were waiting for some guests that we had invited, and they didn't turn up. And we were like, well, they didn't like us very much, did they? And and so we, you know, it evened out at the end. It was, there was enough seats for those unexpected and those who were unexpectedly not there. And, you know, it, it works out uh, at times for us that way. And, and, and yet what we find here in this, in this particular, um, particular passage of Scripture and this, this, this local church, and if you read through the first couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, it really speaks to local churches, it speaks to these seven churches of Asia Minor and the particular, the peculiarities of each church, the, the, the situation that they found themselves in. And some would say that these are really a type of the, the different ages in the church. And uh, if you look at that, we see that we're in the last bit, Laodicea, and, and some would say that we, were, we are in the Laodicean age. We would look at that, and, and perhaps it's true as we think about our society today and we think about many of the churches, in, particularly in the West, we probably have more resources than, than, than ever. We probably have more today as churches than, than churches of yesteryear. We probably have the ability to travel and the ability to, uh, to resource the work of God in different fields as we've been uh, hearing about and looking at and we have much more, but in all reality, we also have much less at times. And perhaps we are delayed to see an age. Perhaps we can glean some things here. And, and there's a lot of disturbing things when you think about it that's happening in this particular church. 
God saying that you, the church, Laodicea, you're neither cold nor hot, you're lukewarm, and so I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You make me sick, is what he's saying. And we look at that, and, and the, the reality was they thought they had everything. They thought they were rich, and they thought they had all of that, but the reality was they were poor, naked, and blind, and wretched. And so they didn't even understand their actual situation. And yet what is most disturbing when you think about this whole situation here in the church of Laodicea is not all of that, it's this. Actually, when you read it, Jesus wasn't even in the building. He was standing at the door. That means he was outside when everyone else was inside. You know, the, the, the one person that you probably want present in a church, in a local assembly, the, 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 the very important, the most important person in our congregation this morning ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be that as people come into our assembly this morning, and, and whilst you may have brought them in, and, and whilst you may have come along and you want to see your friends and you want to be here together and you want to have that fellowship and we ought to have that, but actually truly our fellowship ought to be around the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I said it last week, I think, and sometimes people come to church looking to see God and unfortunately for them, all they see is us. And it would be good for us to just be reminded that whilst we have the Lord Jesus who dwells in our hearts and positionally as uh, if you're saved here this morning, we know we have Him indwelling in us. There is a realization that, that part of our Christian life ought, ought to focus on a closeness with our Savior. That He ought to have a centrality in our lives. That He ought to be the, the very core of our existence. That He ought to be just there in our midst in fact, the Bible does tell us where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of us. But you know as well as I do that there's sometimes there's, there's, there's this tendency to crowd Jesus out. There's a tendency to focus on other things and become enamored with other, other people and other situations. And then before long, we've neglected the very one that should be central to all that we do, all that we say. And here we find that that's actually the case in the life of this church. Jesus was knocking. He was nowhere near. He was nowhere in the room. He was knocking on the door of the church. And it seemed to be, as he says it, behold, I stand at the door. No one was listening. And I want to give you a couple of reasons. You know, the, the Christian life, Ought to always ought to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the Christian life without Jesus? But you know, sometimes we do church and we live our Christian life very much that way. We know academically, we know in, in our minds that He's doctrinally He's in our hearts, but how's our closeness with the Lord this morning? You know, I'm afraid sometimes we go through and we do church and we have a form of godliness but we not deny the power thereof. We can sometimes get into methods and we can sometimes get into programs and we can sometimes just focus in on the, 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 very, uh, the very surface things of life 
without having the deeper thing of having the Lord, of having His presence felt and real and having Him have just the freedom and the liberty to, to just lead us and, 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 and guide us and just, just show us the way that we ought to go. And many times we focus on other things. And, and maybe it's been a while, maybe it's been a while if you've considered whether He's knocking at your door or He's actually right there beside you. Maybe it's been a while you've just been so busy with other things that you've just not considered whether you've, you, the, the Savior has been close to you and whether He's just been at the door or He's been in the room of your heart. And, and this morning I want to ask you that question because here this church, He was standing at the door. And I want to give you a couple of reasons perhaps that you'll find in your own life that, that, that has caused Jesus to be outside of the room when He should be in it. Notice what he says there in verse 17. Notice what this church was doing. They were lukewarm for this, these reasons. They, they were allowing the Lord Jesus to stand at the door and knock. He's trying to speak. He says, if any man hear my voice. But notice what they were doing. Because thou sayest. You know what they were doing? They were doing a lot of talking. They were doing a lot of dialoguing and you know, if, if I could say one of the, the, the phenomenas of our day today is just the, the ability for people to communicate, whether it's face-to-face or not. There's a lot of talking in Christendom today. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of articles written. There's a lot of, there's a lot of conjecture. There's a lot of news that we can get into our inboxes. There's a lot of controversy we can get into. And there's a lot of things that we can observe. And there's this world of uber communication that we live in. And we live in a world of much speaking. And, and here what we find is this church, they were happy to talk about themselves. Because thou sayest, he says. And it's them speaking about how rich they were. It was them speaking how increased with goods they were. And it was them that have need of nothing. This was their conversation. There was much speaking. And I want to submit to you this morning that the first reason why the Lord Jesus is standing at the door is really because we're just, that there's too much talking or there's, there's dialogue that's drowning out his knock. We're just talking. You know how it is. You, you get into a, a, a party maybe and you're going to a dinner and, you're just engrossed in the conversation with those who are there. But at some point, you let those guests in. You let them into that, that, uh, that dinner table where you're sitting around and you're now talking. And, um, you know, our, our place at, at, at Warner there, we, we have a doorbell button, but it doesn't work. All right? I need to fix that. I need to put that on my list. But... You know, many times where, where some people have been trying to get to the door and, and, you know, we're just having conversations around the dinner table and they're ringing the doorbell. And then suddenly they're knocking and it's a little bit of a distance there, so sometimes we don't hear it. Why? Because sometimes we're just engrossed in our talk. And, you know, sometimes that's what we are in church. You know, sometimes we get engrossed, but, you know, I want to say that you're only having conversations with those that you've let in. You're only having dialogue with those that you've let in. And unfortunately, you know, we, we've got a lot of voices in the world today that we've allowed into our, our headspace, we've allowed in our, 
in our conversations with ourselves. I think about Joseph and Mary, who they, uh, the, the very first mention of the Lord Jesus there as he has grown up, it, they, they were engrossed in what they were doing, the religious actions of the day. They went for uh, some feasts and festivals in Jerusalem. And there they were, Joseph and Mary, having a good time, just doing the religious thing. And before long, it was time to go, and they were heading home. And what did they do? They said, where's Jesus? Where is he? And they realized they had left him. You know, sometimes even in our religiosity, we can go through the actions of it, and we can get engrossed in it. And, and we've forgotten to keep Jesus at the center of what we do. We've just gone along, and maybe it is home time, and we've just left him. Maybe it is t- it's those times that we sort of just, just need to refocus in on the right voices in our lives. And you know, sometimes when it's noisy, it is hard to hear things. I remember years ago, we had all just gotten our licenses, and, and, and John's here, he, he was there. It was actually his vehicle, he borrowed it from his dad, but it was a really old van. It was really, really old, and it was super noisy. It, it, was probably, it, it was probably noisier than it was fast, all right? It was just so slow. We were heading to the beach one day, and we, we, had a, we stayed over at, at his place so that we could leave really early, wanted to beat the crowd. And we got up early, and we were, there was about, I think there was six or eight of us in there, and what it was, the van, it only had the rear, rear seats. The middle seats were taken out. And so we, we fit eight people. This was back then, all right? I know it's probably illegal now, but probably, probably was illegal back then. We just ignored that. But we were at the back, and then the two people were at the front who was driving and who was navigating. Okay, no GPS back in the day, all right? We still had, what well, we had the Gregories, right, in Sydney. But we were, we were just sitting there, and, and I remember trying to talk over the, the loudness of that vehicle. We just couldn't. You know, we were all asking the same questions. Oh, how long to go? And how long to go? We're all saying the same thing, but we couldn't hear each other over the top of that noise. You know, sometimes that's the way we are with the Lord. There's so much noise in our lives. We've allowed many voices to come. We've maybe allowed too much of the voices of entertainment, the voices of worldly philosophy, and maybe even perhaps our own voice to drown out the, the, the attention that Jesus is trying to get us to, to listen to Him. And yet we find that, that there's just a lot of voices in the world today. And we need to understand, though, that we can listen to His voice. Look at First John chapter 4. Look at First John chapter 4. And notice what he says in verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And notice what he says in verse 5. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. But in contrast, he's saying, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby, we the, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, the things that are of God, we can hear. Why? Because we are of God. And, and we ought to have this desire not, not just to allow the voice of God, the, the voice of the Lord Jesus, and He's knocking at times to get our attention 
to be drowned out by everything else that we fill our lives with. And what we find, we ought to be seeking the divine voice of the Lord. We understand He's got the still small voice. We understand that the Holy Spirit of God at times will speak into our lives. And, and we're not saying audibly, but we understand through the Word and through His witness with our spirit at times. And what, the Bible's very, very careful to tell us that. Look at John chapter 10. So remember the, the same author as First John that we just read. But now John chapter 10, he's, 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 he's recording this for us. And notice the teaching of our Lord here. He says in verse 1, says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. Then he says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You know what we learn about that? It's the voice of the Lord should be, if you're one of his, if you're part of his flock, the voice of the Lord should be unmistakable to you. You should know it. You should be familiar. It should be. You know how it is with, there's, there's people in our lives that we're just familiar with, our family, our, those are close friends. And when they knock and when they call out, you'll hear it regardless of the noise. You'll know it. Why? Because you're familiar. Why? Because you know. But here's what we find also, the, the reason why at times I think, there's a lack of following God in our lives. It's because we're just, we've allowed other voices to drown out the voice of our Lord. It's unmistakable, but at times we can drown it out with the, the over-talking and maybe sometimes it's our own voice. You know, one of the best things I was ever, ever just told is about prayer is sometimes you just need to shut your mouth. You know, here's what we do in prayer. We start talking and then we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. And God's trying to get an, a word in edgewise. He couldn't. He's trying to get you to stay still at times so he can speak to you. And remember, prayer is asking, but prayer is much more alignment. He's trying to get you to listen so you can align to, to how he's leading you and the things that you need to pay attention to. And, and maybe even in the the door of prayer he's trying to knock. And have we been listening or have we drowned out his voice through much speaking? The Bible tells us to be still and know that he is God. You know, we ought to place a great premium to silence. You know, we live in a noisy world, don't we? And, and silence can be awkward. We want to put headphones in. We want to make sure we're constantly listening, even in our cars. We want to have something on because we just, we find awkwardness in silence. But it's in the stillness where we can hear God's voice. It's not in the overactivity. And sometimes we're going along and we're busy talking and we're busy talking about how we've done this and we've done that and 
And before too long, we've just neglected his knock. We've neglected his voice. I hope we've taken the time this week to listen for the Lord. I hope we've taken the time to just, maybe as he's just trying to get our attention this morning. And maybe we've just taken the time and maybe we've taken it for granted that he's just been around. And listen, he could just be very well that he's just standing at the door. And maybe we just shut our mouths for a little bit and just shut the noise of the world out. And we just listen. Here's the second reason, I think, and notice what they were saying. Go back to Revelation chapter 3. It says, because thou sayest, and notice this, I am rich and increased with goods. You know, there, there, there would have had to have been room somewhere there taken up, the space taken up in that church. It was a cluttered place. And I mentioned earlier, you know, Often when we have unexpected guests, the first thing we do is, oh no, I should have done the dishes. Oh no, I should have vacuumed. Oh no, I should have put away these things. And, and it, it, it often is the case when we understand there's, there's guests coming to our home. What do we do? We want to declutter, right? We want to make sure things are put away properly. We want to make sure that there's ample space for people to sit and enjoy and, and all of that sort of hinders, doesn't it, our fellowship when we have clutter, right? Uh, my parents always taught me cleanliness is next to godliness, right? And, and I'm just by nature, I'm just a neat person, all right? I just, my first thing often that I do in my office, if this is how spiritual I am, I will vacuum, all right? That's just how I am, all right? Don't hold it against me. And often, you know, we, we want to be prepared if guests will come. And, and especially if they're important guests. We don't want any cluttering, any barriers that deter their, their closeness and fellowship with us. And yet what we find is, is this particular church, it was a witness of themselves. They said they're rich and increased with goods. They were filling up their space and they were just cluttering space. Imagine all of those things that they had to just push through just to get to the door, just to hear the door. And, and what I'm saying is perhaps the, the reason why we're not hearing is knocking, he's standing at the door, is we've cluttered up our lives. There's things that are getting in the way for us to even hear, to even get to. And I want to say, firstly, the barrier of sin in our lives, that's a big barrier. If there's sin in our lives that we haven't, we haven't confessed and gotten right, and what we find is the reality of these people, this church, was even though they said about themselves they were rich and increased with goods, and notice the, the pride of this, and have need of nothing, but the reality was this, they didn't even know that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That was the reality that they were in. And there's much muchness in our lives today, and yet sometimes it's not substantive. There's nothing. There's no substance there. We've just got stuff. And we can decorate our lives. We can look the part, and we could have all of that. But if the reality of our closeness and the presence of God in our lives isn't there, that's the reality. 
we're actually, we're robbing ourselves. We're actually, the reality is far from what we're appearing to be. You know, it was right from the beginning, even in, in we see in Genesis chapter 3, and we won't take the time to turn there, but even Adam and Eve, after their understanding of their guilt before God, they had sinned. What did they do? The first thing they wanted to do was cover up, right? They sewed fig leaves together. They wanted to appear right. And many times, when rather than understanding that it's just that we've put a hindrance and there's something between our soul and our Savior, instead of just getting it right, we just want to gloss it up. We want to just look the part and we want to put the niceties and, and how many times do, do churches at times, they look at uh, other means to cover up the, 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 the lack of power in their services and the lack that they actually have in their day-to-day service for God. They just want to clean up. They just want to polish up and they just want to look the part. But where's the power? Where's the presence of God in that? And I want to tell you, sin Sin can deter that. Sin in our lives that, 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 that rob us of our joy and rob us of that, 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 uh, that hearing from God. It hinders us from a close walk with God. It grieves the Spirit of God. It quenches Him in our lives and we wonder why. It just seems to be we have no closeness, no power, no presence of God. Well, why don't we take care and judgment must begin in the house of God. Why don't we just get some things right with God? Why don't we just clean up the clutter of our lives and why don't we just, just call it for what it is? It's a lack of confession and repentance in our lives. There's sin. And he warns us about that. Hebrews 13.3 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, sin is deceptive. Sin can make you think you're getting away. Sin can make you think that, well, God hasn't judged you yet. And sin can be a deception. And, you know, you become dull in your hearing maybe because of this deterrent of sin in your lives. And I want to remind you, though, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the fact of salvation, I want to tell you that you've overcome sin. You no longer need to live therein, the Bible says. And we've overcome. And listen, it's about just getting right. And, and even this morning I was praying, Lord, help me to draw nigh to you so that you can draw nigh to me. It's our action. It's our confession. It's our getting right that can deter. But, you know, really what we see here is just a barrier of stuff. You know, we live in a very materialistic society, don't we? The barrier of stuff. You ever seen that show? Perhaps you have the, the, that show, Hoarders. You know, we're, we're, we're amazed that people who just hoard stuff can't even get through the door. There's piles of magazines or piles of clothes. And a little while, maybe your, your, uh, your wife got into this whole Marie Kondo thing. Right? Some of you laughed. You, you're with me in that. And they started to declutter their lives. You know, if they asked the clothes, do you give me joy? And then if they didn't, then you chuck it, right? But... Uh, it was very weird, but uh, thankfully we were delivered from that. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at all of that and there's just, people just keep things. Have you noticed that, that you just, one day you open your garage and there's more stuff? Like, stuff begets stuff. 
And life just becomes that way at times if we're not purposeful about it. And that there's that barrier of, of just what it is, is this covetousness. It's materialism. You know, you've crowded Jesus out. You've cluttered your schedule for stuff. You've cluttered going after that next thing. You've cluttered your life just, just keeping that before you. And he reminds us in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation, notice that manner of life, be without what? Covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Why? For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Notice the correlation between covetousness and his being with you. He's saying you, you fill your life with stuff, you so quickly crowd Jesus out. He warns us, he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Think about Saul, who was really, when you consider Saul in the Old Testament, he was given the great privilege. God actually picked him to be the first king of Israel. The Bible tells us that he was head and shoulders above the rest. He had a great presence, Saul did. And then when it came time to it where he was to be anointed, what did he do? He hid amongst the stuff. And I wonder how many of those that God's calling to a particular thing, maybe it's focusing on the labors for the field, thinking about those that those churches around our nation who need pastors, those uh, around, the, uh, around Australia, the cities that still need to be reached with the Lord Jesus Christ, the, those countries and megacities and towns and villages all around the 1040 and beyond. And we're asking, Lord, send forth laborers unto the harvest. And I wonder how many got the call, but when it came to anointing time, they hid amongst the stuff. There God's trying to get their attention. There the Lord Jesus is knocking on their heart's door to say, I want you, but they're too busy with stuff. And then a field doesn't get reached. And then a people don't get one. And churches don't get looked after and taken care of and shepherded like they should. Why? Because the Lord's trying to knock. But we've got too much stuff. You know, we're to look unto Jesus. We see in Hebrews 12:1, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know what he said first? He says, lay aside every weight. It's not sin, but it's a weight. And maybe there's a weight that's allowed, that's come into your life because of our own choices to just elevate stuff and we see that maybe the the thing that's causing the lord to stand at the door is just we're just after stuff we we've crowded him out there's the the those barriers that deter, are deterring is knocking and and maybe here's the next reason why he stands at the door maybe we're just negligent maybe we're just neglecting something he says no it's not there are some things they were neglecting. The, the church was negligent of their true condition. The, the church there he was speaking to was just negligent of the reality of their condition. They were 
wretched and miserable and poor and blind. They were just enamored with their stuff. And they were just neglecting. And, and when you don't listen, you know, regularly over time, His presence can, you can grow insensitive to. You've ever, ever been to, to a place and someone comes up to you and they know you? You, you ever come up to, someone come up to you and say, hey, so-and-so, and you're looking at them, and you're like, hey. That's why I love Baptist churches. You can just go, hey, brother, <laughs> hey, sister, <laughs> right? That's the great cop-out, right? And that's, that's, that's great, but, you know, it's embarrassing, isn't it? You, they know you, but you don't know them. You know, after a while, if we just neglect the Lord, He won't ever leave you. You're, you don't lose your salvation. But you may grow unfamiliar through negligence. You, you know, He's been knocking a while. Hello, anyone home? Hey, um. And then you might even get to the door and go, sorry, who, who are you? So, and, uh, and over time, you just go, I'm familiar. And when you're, you're not familiar with a voice in the crowd, you won't pay attention to it. You don't recognize him knocking in your heart. Maybe it's become, it's become something that you've just not practiced. You know, many times, perhaps God's been knocking on your door, you won't respond. You just, you know, you're just busy. You know, you're just comfortable. You know, you got your stuff, you're all good, and God, don't bother me. And before long, you grow unfamiliar, you grow cold to His voice. You don't recognize Him knocking in your heart, you've become dead to the things that, of God through nothing else but neglect. You've become fooled into thinking you're okay. And we can grow unfamiliar through negligence, and you no longer know it's Him. And in fact, He, he says it there, look at Second Peter chapter 1. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, add to these things. Add to your faith. He says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Verse 5, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. And he goes on and on there, a, a list of really virtues that speak about our Christ-likeness. Notice verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying if you're exercising these things in your life, you're going to know the Lord. You're going to know Him. But he says, But he that lacketh these things, verse 9, notice a similarity, is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You've become blind and forgetful and you're what it is, you're unfamiliar. Those things that you should have exercised, those things that you should have added to your faith. And Hey, listen, the Christian existence, the Christian life doesn't happen by accident. It happens over, over a life of purpose and determination. It's, it comes when we're diligent. You know, that word diligent means with all your strength with all your effort, with all of you, saying, add to your faith. 
and I'm thankful for the faith that saves us, but I'm thankful that we can add to our faith. And he's saying there, if you don't do that, then you grow blind and you grow forgetful. And what that is, you grow unfamiliar. And what it really is, lastly, the reason, there's apathy. They've just grown apathetic. Notice again the situation they found themselves in. They were neither cold nor hot. They were lukewarm. You know, when I think of lukewarm, I think of being in a cozy blanket. It's comfortable, right? When, when, when we pick a temperature, we want something that's just right. No, that is, that's lukewarm, actually. You're neither cold, so you're not too cold. You're not too hot. You're just right. You're lukewarm. And what he was saying there, he's saying, you know, I'm going to spew you out of your mouth because you're neither that or that. You're lukewarm. You know what they were? They were apathetic. They were comfortable. They were comfortable where they were at. You know, there's too many Christians in our day today who's just too comfortable where they're at. They're just too comfortable where, where they, 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 they no longer aim for greater things for God. They no longer look and see if they could do more. There's no activity. They're just in their cozy blanket of life. Just go, all good. I have need of nothing. I've got my snacks. I've got, I've got my show. I've got, I've got those things that I, I particularly like. And what it is, they've just grown apathetic. And You know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I do hear a knock on the door physically in my, in my home. But if I'm comfortable, I'm not going to get up. <laughs> just sorry. Call me, all right? Text me. Tell me it's you. But if it's just someone knocking, here's my mindset. I'm too comfortable. I just, I'm not going to get changed. I'm still in my pajamas, you know. And you have an early morning wake-up call, and you're just like, eh, I'm too comfortable. You know, typically, sadly, a lot of Christians are that way. They're so comfortable. You know, they're, they're just, they're in a good, they're a good spot. There's, there's money in the bank. Well, they go, look at the church. I mean, it's neat. Someone vacuumed. The, the seats are padded somewhat. I mean, we got a good, good place here. We see the familiar faces. We're sitting with them, actually. And, and before long, the need of a Christianity that is self-sacrificing, that actually by, by its intent and purpose actually is uncomfortable, becomes something that is just far from the reality. And what it is, it's apathy. And God delivers from apathetic Christianity. You know, the, the, the danger of apathy, apathy is just a lack of interest, enthusiasm, lack of passion. You know what it does? It makes us settle for comfort over work. Because he says here, because thou sayest, talks about all of that. But then in contrast, notice what he says in verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know, to buy something, you've got to work for it. He says, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest actually be rich. And white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest. You know, all of that, 
it took work. It'll take work. It'll take an effort to do that, to buy gold, to get up and get white raiment and to get up and, and do those things, get the eye salve. And the danger of apathy is just makes you sit somewhere and be comfortable where you're actually in a terrible situation. Because the reality was they were wretched and miserable and poor and naked and blind. And yet his counsel was something to resolve that. And apathy is dangerous because it keep, makes you settle for comfort over your, your need. And what apathy does, apathy in the end, it destroys. Apathy destroys. Ephesians 4.19, who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Look at the last scripture we'll turn to. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. And notice what he says, verse 15. He says, See then as you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why? Because we ought to redeem the time because the days are evil. But the command there is that we walk circumspe circumspectly. It's an active watching. It's an active watching for. Circumspect means, you know, 360 degrees, the whole circumference. You're looking around and you're just understanding your situation and He's saying there, in, in contrast, apathy, we're past feeling. We give ourselves over to destructive things. And, and, you know, how many lives are just destroyed by apathy? How many young people who are just apathetic to the things of the Lord just end up going down a road of destruction? How many parents, they just allow certain things to crowd their lives, and before long, those children that... We've been called to steward and that marriage that we're called to cultivate and to be a great picture of the, 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 the relationship that Christ has with the church becomes a neglected thing. And then suddenly, without us even blinking, it's just destroyed because of apathy. And what apathy will do, it'll destroy. It'll rob you of closeness to the Lord. It'll rob you because, you know what? He's knocking, but you're way too comfortable. You're neither cold nor hot. You know what? If you're cold, you're going to want to do something about it. If you're hot, you're going to want to do something about it. But when you're just right, when you're too comfortable, you don't want to move. Knocking on the door, that's a bother. Fix my relationship? Nah. What do you mean serve more? Mm. What do you mean give? Uh and, and what it is, the Lord's knocking, but he's standing at the door, and apathy has gotten in the way. And, and what it was, maybe, he had counsel for them. You know, the, the sad thing about apathy is the, the very solution is at your door. He's actually right there. And the very counsel he's about to give you, and, and, you know, he says, I'm going to rebuke you. And maybe that's why we don't want to hear from the Lord. You know, sometimes I think we, we have this picture of the Lord that he's just all, and he is, he's all loving. He's gracious. But you know what? Let's not forget he was full of truth. 
And sometimes what we need is just a good rebuke. And what we need is just to some, some can you get off your backside and go? Hey, can you stop being lazy? Hey, can you just stop thinking that you've got it all going for you and realize the reality of your condition? Can you just help yourself a little bit by listening? And his counsel was right there. And all we needed was just to get up and draw nigh. And then he'll draw nigh to us. His counsel was what was needful. He says, I counsel thee. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And he's saying, be zealous, therefore, and repent. You know, apathy is something we need to repent of. Apathy isn't something that we ought to allow to grow in our lives. No, no, we repent of it, get it right. And apathy destroys. And I wonder this morning if the Lord's at the door or if he's in our room. I wonder if he's at our heart's door or is he in, in our heart. I wonder if there's that closeness or have we allowed certain things to stop us from hearing his voice and hearing him knock. And maybe it's been a while. I heard about a German painter who, tragically, he only partially finished his, his major work. And in his work, he was... He was uh, he was painting a military scene and the intention was to show Frederick the Great with, with some of his generals and he painted all around. He, Menzel, who was a painter, he painted generals and he painted the background, but you know what? He left the king until last. He had an outline of Frederick in charcoal, but he died prior to finishing and maybe, you know, in our lives, we've filled in all of the details. We've, we've, we've looked at what is our ideal life, and we've just painted all around it, and we've left the main one. And maybe we've just got, been going around, and we've been busying ourselves with maybe even good things. But the Lord's been just persistently knocking. And He's saying, I want to be close. He's saying, I want to be center of your life. I, I want to give you the counsel that you need. You don't understand the reality of your condition. And you need me. And it really just starts there. You know, my fear is, and I was talking to someone about this this past week. My fear is that we've just got it all too good. We were talking about gratitude and, you know, some of the things that we grew up with now. Now our kids sort of take it for granted. You know, the things that we struggled to get, and now our kids just live with it. They have it. And I'm afraid sometimes we have all of, other, all of the parts of Christianity, but the main one, we've left them out. And I hope that that, that would be today just an examination and that we would get some things right and maybe just invite Jesus again to say, Lord, I want to be close to you. Lord, I want you, Lord, center of the room. I want you to have all of the attention. And I want to start just listening and being more inclined to you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We want to thank you, dear God. Well, Lord, just the, the fact that we can 
we can look to you, Lord. We can, as your people, we can have you in our lives to lead us, guide us, Lord. And yet, Father, many times the counsel and what we need exactly is right there with you. And yet, if we're not, if we're honest, we're we're not we're not careful enough to examine whether you're right there with us. Lord, we're 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 too busy. Lord, we 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 put too much into other things and we allow different voices to come into our lives and, and yet you're right there. I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, to just get back to to an examination of our own heart, of own lives, Lord, even of our church. And that, Lord, we would just say, Lord, we need you. Lord, help us to do away with those things that can crowd our lives. And Lord, help us to seek you and have you, dear God, and, and have a closeness with you. And Lord, that you might sup with us, that you might fellowship with us. I pray that you'd, you'd help us, dear Lord, today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to have the piano playing. We're going to have a time of invitation now. And I wonder, firstly, if you were here this morning, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, if heaven's your home? The Lord said that, that today is the day of salvation. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know what he said about himself? He is the door. And I wonder if you would enter in today and he's inviting you to come to a place where you can know him. And if you can't answer that first question positively, if you don't know where you're going to die, when you die, where you're going to be, then I want to invite you, first of all, just to say with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me. Lord, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Would you just raise your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. All right? Anyone else? Pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. And I want to know. All right, see that hand. Anyone else? And Christian, let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How's your closeness? When was the last time you answered the knock on your door? When was the last time you just sought the Lord to, to have an audience with Him? When was the last time you just wanted to just have that stillness? When was the last time you said, Lord, I, I want to draw close to you? Maybe there's some hindrances that you recognize this morning. And whatever it is, that, as the Lord spoke to your heart, would you come? Would you do business at the altar? Maybe there's some things that you need to adjust and maybe some sins to confess. Maybe just some, just some, some even good things that you just need to put back into balance. And maybe it's just simply just crying out and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you to, to just... Be with me. I need your presence. Lord, I need you in the middle of our household again, in our family. Lord, I need you to be center to all of my plans and my goals. And Lord, I, I need you in my worship as I come every Sunday. I, we need you in our church. And why don't we just do business with the Lord as the piano plays?